turn to 1 Peter 5, 1 to 3. Galatians 6 1. Let's read that together. schedule tonight, so we're not as pressed for time as in the prior meetings, but in the extra hour that we have, my intention is that I would take half and I would give you half. So there will be, there, there will be I hope, adequate time for your responding. But there are still quite a number of things that we'd like to cover um, including to respond, and I use this word purposely, respond to some questions that were forwarded to me by several of the saints on behalf of other saints. Um, so it's, some questions were collected, and uh, even though they were from different sources, uh, these questions actually seem to be quite similar, or at least about similar categories. So we will get on some of those points, uh, but what I'd like to do first is to have some fellowship with you, continuing the line that we began this morning at the end of the second session. Then segue, very easily you'll see, to this outline. Uh, then touch a number of points that are related to all that we've shared so far. By the time we complete that, I hope that most of your questions will have already been answered, at least the ones that were submitted. Um, but uh, we'll take a quick check of the questions. If there's something that remains and we have time, we'll, we'll try to address them. Now, uh, I'll say, tell you ahead of time, Time. I use the word respond, not answer, purposely. Um, I, in this, I follow my brother Ron Kangas, because when I know when he has such times, generally he calls it questions and responses, not questions and answers. The reason for that is that we do not want to, we do not want to give a kind of a feeling to anyone that we actually have all the answers. We, we, we don't want to misrepresent, nor do we want to be misunderstood. We are not that proud. Our experiences are limited. 
But the responses that we give, I, I would tell you, are not personal, merely, but draw from the body. Amen. They hopefully, firstly, will be scriptural, uh, in line with the Bible and God's economy, as well as drawing from many experiences, well beyond myself, but in the body we have that kind of benefit. There are some experiences that we do not face personally, but because we're in the body, we get the benefit of others passing through experiences. And we hope that we can pass on as much as we can. But um, first, let us, let us continue the line that we started uh, this morning. I mentioned to you these two chapters, which to me... Are, are just the best example, exam, examples of shepherding. It's not teaching. It's pattern. And it's none other than the Lord himself as a man coming to his loved ones. And uh, it's very significant. Luke 24, which we touched this morning, and John 21, these are the final chapters of these two psalms. One, ch- one, one uh, 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 gospels, gospels. Tomorrow we're, we're going to talk about psalms, sorry, with the young people. <clears throat> gospels. The gospel of humanity, which we touched this morning, Luke. The gospel of humanity. And to me, it's very significant that Luke is the one who gives those certain details of walking with the disciples. And, 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 you know, I mentioned this morning that they walked those seven miles. That's what it says, right? 11 kilometers, I think, the equivalent of 11 kilometers. And they, did, they, were, they were not walking fast. And even they stopped. You know, when the Lord catches up to them and asks them, what are these things you're talking about? They stopped. I I get the feeling that they stopped and (sighs) sighed. And then Cleopas with this answer, are you the only one? In Jerusalem, that does not know the things that have transpired. So, you know, it wasn't, you know. And, and you know, you know, especially, you know, I, I, you know, we had to take care of my parents in their old, old age, my elderly parents. You know, when you walk with someone elderly, you have to walk at their pace. And it tests, that tests you. That tests you. You have to walk at their pace. You know, the Lord Jesus, he walked at their pace. We have to learn this if we want to shepherd people. If you want to get into the lives of young people, you have to walk their pace. Now, young people walk fast. So some of us got to speed up. 
I remember these times. Two, two, two kinds of incidents. In my home, years ago, uh, we, we opened up uh, to invite some young people to come over to our, to, to our home. On Saturday afternoon, we had a young people's meeting in the evening. Christine, this is way before your time in New York, way before your time. This is in the time of, you know, like, oh, even before Maria Lynn, Maria Kim, like Isaac Chang. Isaac, you know, Brother Isaac. You both know Isaac, right? Isaac Chang, his generation. Actually, he was one of the two young people we invited to come, come over. Because we had had a group meeting with young people, and then they kind of aged out of the young people's meeting. And so they began to be involved in other things. And then we started over with another generation. And actually, one brother, one sister, we invite them. And this group of two became 20-something over the course of maybe a year or so. And we had a little fellowship. And according to their pace and so on, my favorite time was dinner time. Just to listen to them. Amen. Just to listen to them. And sometimes I would throw out a topic at dinner. You know, current events. Oh, today you could have some very interesting conversations. <laughs> you know. And I, well, okay, I better not. I better not. I better not give you a current example. But I would do this with our kids to find out where they, where they are and give no opinion. And I would go like this. I would go like this, like, let me ask you at your school, what are they? Well, I'll take a kind of recent uh, situation because I want to come back to this. If not tonight, then tomorrow. You know the Parkland shootings? We all remember. It's about a year ago, right? About a year ago in Florida. So, something like this, the kids are around the table. I'd say, what are they saying in school? How have kids responded in your school? I, I don't ask them. So what do you think? So, so how are, you know, what are the teachers saying? What are the kids saying? Oh, and then, and then so they discuss, and you just listen. And you find out some people have strong opinions. And some of our kids have formed their political philosophy by 16 years old. And outside of a setting like this, you would never know. Because they don't talk about it in the meeting. And just listen, just learn, just enter. And don't interrupt, don't interrupt. And someone shared this morning, I, I'm so happy you added to the fellowship this morning something I missed to say, but it indeed is true. To shepherd people, the first thing is to be a listener. You remember, one, I think one of our sisters here said it, be a listener. And, and wouldn't you know, this is Brother Nee's First lesson in the normal Christian worker, being a good listener. And you have to listen to what people say, 
And then you have to listen to what people don't say. And then you have to discern, why don't they say? Is it on purpose? Are they hiding that? Or they just don't think to say it. We have to learn to be a good listener. Oh, I remember those days. Very interesting things. Today, very easily, you just say one word. And everybody has a thought about it. What do, you, what do you teachers say? Uh, then you also find out, you also find out what is the trend in their school? What are the teachers putting in them? So you just learn. Another such case, uh, you know, my, my three children all, they like athletic, you know, athletics. So they were all on varsity, this and that. My son on basketball, my girls on volleyball. Actually, on, not on the same team. They played each other. My girls played against each other. So there's stories there, but I won't get into those stories. But um, so sometimes I would, I would borrow the church van and take the van to practice and then offer all the guys a ride home. And sometimes up to seven or eight would take me up on the offer. It's a basketball team, so they had 12 to 15. And we'd just go around, drop them off, drop them off. At the end of the semester, Mr. Acosta would take them out for pizza, you know, and just, just to get to know the team. I was like number one team dad fan <laughs> for all the three teams, all three teams. And you probably would not recognize me there. Yeah. <laughs> I think you would, right? We would, yeah. So I support my kids 100%. And if the ref, ha, huh, huh, you know? Of course, we should, be, we should be God men all the time. Should be God men all the time. But, you know, you, you let, the gir- let the girls know I'm on their team. You know, so I was, I was like team dad, you know? But anyway, driving, just driving the van hearing them talk. And I know that because Mr. A, that's what they call me, hey Mr. A, because Mr. A was in the car, they were somewhat restrained. But even then, oh, you learn a lot. You learn a lot just by listening. I remember one time we dropped everyone off and uh, I told my son, you you know, he was there in the front seat and I said, son, that kid, so-and-so, I'm not sure about him. I'm not sure about him. I rather don't trust him. He said, no, dad, you're wrong. You're wrong about him. He's actually the most mature of all of us. I said, really? Yes, yeah. His father left the family when he was young. He's really stepped up take care of his mom, younger brother, this and that. He wants to be a doctor. He's all these kind of things. I said, really? Oh, okay. But, you know, he was saying this and that, and I I just had a feeling. And actually, what it shows is that he's had more experiences, you know. And he was right. He was right. I mean, now, you know, they're they're all 35 years old now, all these guys, 35, 34 years old. And he, he was right. 
And a good number of those boys, they, they met the Lord through, through my son. Later, later, not during that time. Actually, when he got to the full-time training, he got the burden for all of them. But I, actually, on one of those car rides, those car rides, they said, Mr. Costa, you know, your son, your son is our Moses. I said, what? I said, I said, what? What is it? It says, no, whenever we have a question about God or the Bible, we know he's the man. So I didn't know. My son had a kind of testimony. I never saw it. But they saw it. So thank the Lord. But eventually, we got a number of them. We got a number of them. My point, though, is this. Listen. Just listen. Even if you have opinion, pretend in the God-man way. Not to react. Later, I do want to touch the LGBTI issue. Get lesbian, gay, transgender, all that. I want to touch that point a little later. One of the key points will be don't react. How would it be if one of our young people comes and is actually willing to have fellowship with you to say they're struggling with this matter? Or to say, I am. How would you react? Those five seconds there will make or break whether you'll be able to help them or not. And this is from experiences. Limited experiences. But some, they've come to us. Because because they have the confidence that there's no judgment here. There's no judgment here. You can tell us anything. You can confide. Confide in us. Doesn't it stops here. It stops here. It will cover you. Amen. And some come about their friend. And you may know their friend. Even then, it's not them, it's their friend. The friend that they've been bringing to the meeting for three weeks or three months. Please don't. Oh, Lord Jesus. You lost them. Actually, you lost both of them. So we need to be so much in the spirit that we're not taken off, you know, caught off guard to have spontaneous, natural reactions that will turn people off. Have you never done that? And has no one ever done that to you? where you said something and you saw the reaction, she realized, yeah, I should have not said that. Should have not said that. Listener, be a good listener. Anyway, that's Luke 24. Let's come to John 21. These are the verses most of the saints know about John 21. But these are not the verses I want to cover. I just did that to have scripture reading. Yeah. What I, what I want to do is read the chapter, the verses before that. 
So let's read, starting from verse 1. John 21, from verse 1. Shall we alternate? First the sisters, then the brothers. I'll stop you along the way. Sisters, please. 21.1. We'll read all the way till 14, and then we'll pick up later. Sisters, please. till there. So you see the story. You know, in the life study, Brother Lee calls this backsliding. They went back to their old life. Did they get bored? Or were they anxious about their living? Something. This is negative. So they go, and they spend all night, professional fishermen, seven of them, and they caught not one single fish. Another miracle. <laughs> then as the morning is coming, who's on the shore? Jesus. And what does he do? Hmm? He asks a question. He asks a question. Showing interest. 
Little children. You, what is it? You, you do not have any fish to eat, do you? Now, I don't know how far, you know, how, how does it say? 200. No, 153 fish. How far away from the land? 200 cubits. But the first point is this. Here, Jesus didn't walk all the way with them. Jesus stood at the shore. This is a little different than Luke. From here... Little children, probably to get their attention, not just children. Little children, <laughs> you don't have any f- fish to eat, do you? Imagine these seven young adults in the boat. Again, it doesn't say but I think if you just exercise a little sanctified imagination, you would agree with me that somebody on the boat said, who is this guy? So I don't know. So what, how do they answer? Just very simply, no. Cast the net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. And then it says, they cast therefore the net. Now, I almost guarantee that every other time before tonight that you read this, when you read it, you thought that Jesus said, do you have fish? No. Cast it on the other side. They went, amen. (laughs) Do you really think that's what happened? If you were the seven on the boat, is that the way it would have worked? No. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Okay. We'll leave you off. Okay. If you seven and you don't know me, why don't you put it on the other side? I think at least one of you would say, mind your own business. <laughs> no one asked you. Thank you. And, and then this. How wide was this boat? I, I, I doubt that it was much wider than this podium. This, this, this uh, what do you call this? Yeah, podium. So, they've been there all night. I don't think there was a strong and quick amen. Maybe somebody said, just do it and he'll go away. But anyway, they, they did it. And they're like, whoa. Because right away, because of course the Lord said to the fish, he just, and the fish, they were like there. The fish were waiting. The Lord said, Go. And they, whoa! And the net got, whoa! And then they had to help. Then, who? John. Without being named. The one who loved the Lord. 
It's the Lord. Peter still didn't realize it was the Lord. John said, it's the Lord. He goes, oh! And then he covers himself, and then he throws himself in the water. And he comes, and the others come dragging. And then they bring to the shore, and Jesus is there. And what does he say? Come and have breakfast. Like, nothing. It's not like he waited there like this. With the lip, you know, the pursed. Three and a half years. This is the result of my training. Maybe that's how the... Maybe not, I better not say that. Brother Dennis and the brothers in Anaheim just... No, no, I don't, they don't do that. They don't do that. But he was not there like... See, I, what are you guys doing? Come on. It's that breakfast. It was not like that. They're dragging the thing and he's, come, come. That's shepherding. Do you know, that's the final chapter of the four Gospels. Then you turn the page. You have Acts 1. What happens? Ascension. The Lord leaves us with that as an indicator that he's merging his heavenly ministry with the shepherding ministry of the apostles. This is what you should be doing now. Shepherd my sheep. Actually, it's feed my lambs. Shepherd my sheep. Feed my sheep. When I was younger, I, I thought the Lord repeated everything. No, three different things he says. Yeah. Feed my little lambs. The little lambs need to be fed. The sheep, you don't have to feed them. You just shepherd them. They eat on their own. But why would you have to feed my sheep? That's because some of the sheep got sick. So you have to know the condition of each one. What was the Lord doing there? Maybe some of each. Maybe the seven were not all in the same condition. And of course, he was restoring Peter's love, we know. This is the pattern of shepherding. So then, they come and have breakfast. Then, when they had eaten breakfast, so they finished breakfast. Let me, let me, let me ask you a question. Mm. In verse... Um, Let's see, in 19, verse 19, if we go down to 19, it says, Now this he said, signifying by what kind of death he would glorify God. You know, he told Peter, 
that he would be led to where he would not choose to go. And when he had said this, he said to him, follow me. Peter, look at verse 20. Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following. What were they doing? Weren't they walking here? You guess so, right? He's, he's saying, Peter, follow me. And then he, Peter turned around to look at John. He says, what about him? What about him? Who also reclined on his breast, supper. Lord, what, uh, Peter, therefore, seeing him, said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, if I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. And then the rumor went around that John would remain until the Lord comes. What I want to show you here is they were walking and the Lord's talking to Peter about his eventual death. And then Peter says, what about him? So I want to ask you, verses 15, 16, and 17, were they already walking? Or do you think, as I used to think, that they were all sitting around the fire and in front of all of them, the Lord exposed Peter? When I read this, I thought, come and have breakfast. And they had eaten breakfast, like they're all eating breakfast around the fire. And then, Peter, do you love me more than these? Oh, he's uncomfortable. And he asked three times. And And I had the feeling, oh, Lord, you're exposing Peter in front of the other six brothers. Then I realized, wait a minute, when did they stand up and start walking? No, it's very possible that these verses, 15, 16, 17, were not all there. It's just Peter with the Lord. They're walking. John's right behind. That's why he heard. He knows the detail. But John's right behind them. But my point is, the Lord, I don't think the Lord exposed Peter in front of all the others. Then Peter, in, first, in his first letter, says, Elders, as a co-elder, shepherd, shepherd. Don't lord it over people. And I think that's a pattern for us. Even as we're taking care of the churches, brothers. As we're taking care of our children. As serving ones, we're taking care of all this, the young people. This is a pattern of our shepherding. And it's interesting that only Peter has this and only Peter has the verse we read this morning about the Lord being the shepherd of our soul. Only Peter. Because this matter of shepherding made a deep impression. And I mentioned to you this morning that, <clears throat> that in taking care of the young people and learning lessons like this, then I realized, you know, I should shepherd my children, apply some of these things. Because I, I realized this many saints have a, and of course, our own children, there is a kind of standard. There is a, you know, we have the hope for them, and we have more ground because we have authority over them. Yes, I'm not saying totally you just give up your parentship and treat them as friends. 
But there is, a, there is an aspect of that. Brother Nee, Brother Watchman Nee, he has a lesson called Parenting. In the series, um, Messages for Building Up New Believers. Yeah. And may, may I borrow the book again, the green book, if you have, whoever has it? I thought I saw one. No, no, not my, this, this one. Thank you. Yeah. So in this, in this uh, book, we reproduce this in chapter 8. In chapter 8. The outline that I gave you this morning is the outline for chapter 6. So I've given you chapters 4, 6, and tonight is 22. Yeah. So, but in chapter 8, it's entitled, Cooperating with God for His Move, as parents entrusted with their children to cultivate and nurture them in the Lord. And Brother Nee has this section. And uh, this is from the excerpts. From the excerpts. Starting from page 145. The atmosphere in the family being one of love. The atmosphere in the family being one of love. In these pages, I'm not going to read from here, but it's just one, two, just two pages. You can get more from the, the source, which is Collected Works, Messages for New Believers, the chapter on, on parenting. He says... We have to build up an atmosphere of love in our families so that our children were their best friend. When something good happens to them, we are the first ones they want to tell. When something bad happens to them, we're the first ones they want to tell. And you know, mommies get this from the beginning. Moms, when did you lose that? Because most moms, at one point or another, that fades away. And we didn't notice. We only think later, oh, when we see another child do it, we think, oh, my Susie used to. So. But why didn't we cultivate that? And there probably are some moms, even among us here. You did. That's wonderful. I remember I was in a certain place and I gave a word like this. And after the speaking, there was a sharing. This sister gave a very open and exposing testimony that just, oh, it just, I think no one in that room would ever forget that testimony. She said that she was with her teenage daughter. She was home on the phone having fellowship with a sister. Her teenage daughter comes home from a movie and she's, mom, mom, I just saw this movie. And she's like, and she, she, she puts the phone. She says, dear, you know, I don't, I'm not interested in those kind of things. So the, the girl sh shut up and she went. And through that speaking that night, she realized that's the night she lost her daughter. 
her daughter would come to her to tell her things, even as a teenager. But, oh, her feeling was, that's so unsanctified, I don't even want to hear about it. And I, I, I'm not criticizing the sister for having that feeling. I, I understand. And to keep our sanctification, I understand that too. We should all keep our sanctification. But there is a way of accommodating your daughter to keep her happy so that she keeps telling you things. She's told us after that night, she, she was traced back. She never talked to her about good things or bad things because she felt mom's not interested. Oh, it's heartbreaking. Brother Nee talks about fostering an atmosphere of love that we sh the children should not feel that they're going home to a law court. Uh, now, that, that does not mean we don't discipline. Read everything that Brother Nee says. It doesn't mean you don't discipline that, oh, son, forget about it. No, it's not like that. But at least they can tell you. Dad, I screwed up this time. It's something if your son can come and tell you, Dad, I'm sorry. I really screwed up this time. And, you know, there's something there. Then you, then, then you work on it together. You work on it together. And there's no judgment here. At least not from you. And the Lord has a way to do something. So, dear saints, there's, there's a way to reach our children. There's a way to reach our children. Amen. With this God, man, shepherd, who is the man savior in Luke and the God savior in John, who has merged his heavenly ministry with our ministry of shepherding. You know, another point, I meant to get to it later, and maybe I'll say more later. And several of the questions were on this point, because today, the atmosphere that the young people are in, of course, they all face this homosexuality issue, the transgender issue, um, there's also the matter of suicide. And, and suicides are increasing. And we had to face this, and we have to face this because saints, even among us in the churches, there are cases here and there. And uh, almost two years ago, we faced something there in the Northeast. One of our sons um, took his life. And uh, two weeks before that, just two weeks before that, he was in, in our conference. And I gave a message on Saturday night, the last night of the conference, and I, I was sitting right here, the first row, and he stood right there. And I remember he shared. 
And we couldn't see anything. We, we couldn't tell that was anything. He was not what you would think. He, he was not like, he was in, in the front. But we missed something. And of course, the effect on the family and all the saints around him and the kids who grew up with him. And, and you know, in the recovery, we're a you know, tight-knit community. And now with social media, everybody you know, knows. So we had to deal with this not too long ago. And so what if a dear young one just comes to you and they're, they're, they're just open to you? I, I have these thoughts. Or calls you in the middle of the night. I'm going to do it tonight. H- how do you respond? How do you respond? But saints, we have to be ready. We have to be ready. And in, in, and not alarmed to exacerbate the situation. If we're too alarmed, they'll close. And it, and maybe maybe it's a false alarm, but you don't know if it's a false alarm. But you also don't know if by that kind of reaction, then they will never open again and just go forward. So we have to learn. We have to give the sense, you could tell us anything. We can take it. We're with you. We're for you. We're on your side. You can open. There's understanding here. And if I can't help you, I'll get somebody who can. And, and we do. We have even professionals among us in the churches that can help. But there needs to be a kind of atmosphere in the home and in the church life. We need to foster this atmosphere of love. No, there's a... Did I bring it up? Oh, maybe I left. There's the thin book. Could, could you... Under the, oh, thank you, sorry. <laughs> yeah, this book, Crucial Elements of God's Economy. I'm sorry I did not tell the brothers about this early enough to uh, see if there are copies available. And you, who would imagine, Crucial Elements of God's Economy, that in such a book there's something about children and young people. But at the end of chapter 6, and this is, the message given in, of all places, New York City, in 1977. And, and then at the end, um, there, there are some questions. Actually, I have them here. I'll read them from here. And I, I just get the sense, I don't know for a fact, I was not in that meeting, that this is a mom. And this is what she asked. My children are saved, but I cannot always convince them to come to the meetings. What is the best way to care for them? Does anyone share this question? Don't raise your hand. Answer. To be a parent is very difficult. It's Brother Lee's first word. No amount of teaching concerning parenting is adequate. 
When couples do not have children, they pray as Hannah, the mother of Samuel, prayed for a son. The Lord may hear their prayer and give them a child, but this child may become a great troublemaker. Although there is no unique fail-safe method for parenting, there are a few lessons we can learn. First, in order to raise our children to love the Lord and to come to the church meetings regularly, we must be a proper person. We must have a proper living before the Lord. Before the Lord, the persons who know best about the kind of life we live are our children. We may be able to fool others by the kind of person we are, by the kind of person we are, but we can never fool our children. Therefore, we need to be genuine. If we tell our children not to tell lies, yet we lie to our spouse, the children will see it. This is very serious. For if we lie to our spouse only one time, our children may remember it for their whole life. Our behavior and our way of living does not affect anyone as much as it affects our children. This is a universal principle. Therefore, being a parent is not easy. Our children will be negatively affected if we are not upright persons. Besides being proper persons, parents need to exercise wisdom. This is the area in which most parents are lacking. It is easy for a parent to have love, but it is not easy for a parent to have wisdom. Parents must exercise their wisdom to discern whether or not to charge their children to come to the church meeting. Asking whether or not parents should charge their children to come to the meetings may be likened to asking whether or not we should take an umbrella when we go out. For such situations, we need to exercise our wisdom to discern the situation. According to our discernment, I mean, should you always take an umbrella? No, depends on... Yeah. Brother Lee. However, some parents are zealous. According to our discernment, we must exhort our children. However, some parents are zealous without wisdom, and their zealousness offends their children. The more they charge their children to come to the meeting, the more they offend their children, causing a strong reaction. This matter is not easy. Parents need to be proper persons and exercise wisdom. It's right to charge our children to come to the meeting, but we need to discern, based on our children's condition, the proper time and the proper way to charge them. If our children are in a certain condition, it may be better not to charge them to come to the meeting until their condition improves. Full of wisdom. Another question. How should I regulate my children concerning watching TV and movies? Now we can add Netflix and all sorts of things. Answer. Because of the current of the age, it is very difficult for parents to forbid their children to watch television and movies. I thought, did you really say this, Brother Lee? <laughs> Therefore, parents need to exercise their wisdom to restrict which television shows or movies to allow their children to see. We also need to teach our children the reasons for these restrictions so that they'll understand our decisions as they grow older. We need to give them a proper explanation according to their age, not prematurely. We should not tell them something that they cannot understand at their age. Our training must be according to their age. To raise children is not easy or simple. It requires, and this is the point I want to, the main point, it requires that we spend much time with our children. The more time we spend with our children, the better. 
we should spend at least two hours every evening doing nothing but being with our children, Amen. talking to them, or teaching them something. This will make them happy and give them some training. If we do not spend time with our children, we should not expect, we should expect that they will have problems. Although we cannot always afford to spend that much time with our children, the principle is that we need to spend as much time as possible with our children and give them the proper education according to their age. To build the atmosphere of love in our families, nothing substitutes spending time. To spend time with our children. One brother yesterday when we were having fellowship brought up a very good suggestion about having meals together as a family. You know, this is, this is like a lost tradition in America. I know with, with our children, we, we tried our best to have meals together every day, even as the children were growing up and going through high school. It became more challenging later when they're involved with extracurricular activities and they each have their own lives and we kind of intersect once in a while during the week. Well then when, I mean our, our children stayed at home, all three of them for university. And um, so we made a kind of rule, once a week at least, once a week, what's everybody's schedule? What, just to be able to sit down and communicate. And I told the brothers yesterday that at one time, I think my son was in high school, and we were just eating, and, and he says, Dad, you know, I think we're the only family that I know that actually has dinner together. And I mentioned to the brothers, I thought he's talking about his school friends, and I could understand. He said, no, even the church friends. I said, really? And I said, well, what about this one? And then he, Dad, you know the situation. This one, you know their dad's job. This one, not, no one, no one. He couldn't find another soul. And then something dawned on me that their friends a number of times expressed how much they enjoyed being with our family. Lord, cover me to say that. I think many of you have the same experience. Our friends' children. They enjoy being at our dinner tables because it's a real family. And they don't get that, a normal family. And that's a blessing. Amen. You know, at one time, we were trying to protect our children from defilement of the world. So we were all, it was always like this. Oh, don't touch. Oh, I tell you, it's a blessing to be like this. Come, come, come. Of course, not without discernment. Like I told you, I didn't like that one kid. <laughs> but my son was right. He was a good, he, was, he turned out to be a good kid. But you know, the more we were like this, the more we were like this, then it's like Grand Central Station. All the, everybody likes coming out. And, and then you get to know the friends. You get to see them all. You get to meet them all. Eventually, there's opportunity for the gospel. Could be. And whoever's at home, whoever comes to my dinner table, we're, we're going to thank the Lord. Amen. Amen. They're going to thank the Lord. 
and they get blessed. And they sit through that. They have to wonder something. Well, we don't always turn and, okay, when, the, when, when they open their eyes, the five of us are there with the mystery of human life. <laughs> yeah, don't, you know, at least not the first time, right? <laughs> the first time. But the, the, the family living is a gospel. And it, is, it was true with their friends. When the chips were down, when things happened, they knew who to turn to. They knew who, who to turn to. Let's come to the outline. Read a little bit of this. Shepherding the young people according to the Lord's heart. Let's please read Romans 1, 2, and 3 together. some of these subpoints. Uh, sisters, A, please. suggested one of the four one of them is a word of love there you will find this the essence of this speaking we should always try our best to avoid criticizing and categorizing you know we very quickly categorize people based on our natural discernment this is a good one this is not a good one how many times have we already been proven wrong? Even I told you what I did. Even with our young people, we see them in the meeting, we get an impression. Mm. The li- it's easy to purse the lips without trying. Just, mm. <laughs> you know, so I'm, I'm sorry, I... I Lord, cover me, be using too much uh, example of my son, but his class, his class, up until this, up until this year, this year, the, the group of children that we have uh, in one grade, that is like, like from 
of course, the school year is September through June. Okay, so um, born in 82, 83, that year, we had 29 children in the church in New York City. That was our biggest group. And this year, we have 29 sixth graders. It matches that one. Yeah. We have 33 fifth graders. So next year will be the, the, biggest, the biggest group. And of course, we hope by next year, the, those 33 would be more than that. Right? They grow. Anyway, um, I still remember uh, our, our practice had always been in sixth grade, end of sixth grade, spring semester. We preach the gospel in children's meeting. We take 12 weeks, and we have lessons and so on. And so I was in the prayer meeting. I was sitting next to the brother who gives the kind of announcements of the prayer, the elders. And then he stands up and says, it's that time again. You know, they're listing the prayer burdens. But then he comes, it's that time again. And the children's meeting is preaching the gospel to the sixth graders. And this, this year, saints, we have this many children, and this is the worst class we've ever had. And I, I'm just like, oh, did you just say that, brother? Did you just say? No, it was true. I, I knew it was true. It was true. But, but I would not say it in public. Till today, they wear that on their sleeve. Till today, we're the worst. Remember us? We're the worst. And this, the word went out, they're the worst. Oh, they, those kids, they tr tested the serving saints. They tested the serving saints. All throughout junior high and high school, they tested the, and my son was one of the ringleaders. But you know, some of the most naughty ones, the Lord gained their hearts. They went to the full-time training. That's not what makes you whatever or not. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. Oh, they didn't go, so. But some of the naughtiest ones were the first ones to go to the full-time training. Serving full-time for years. Loving young people and not letting anybody get away with anything. Because they know every trick. But when they were in sixth grade, eighth grade, 10th grade, people pursed their lips at them. I saw it. I mean, I, I experienced it. And some of the ones, the best ones, where are they today? So don't trust always our, our own judgment, our own grading system. Just love them all. And saints, I want to say something about the really good ones. I actually, I, I was, I, I think, you know, we were, we, were, we were pretty good, actually. We we're not that naughty. I was one of the really good ones, actually. Sorry, Lord, cover me. I'm just, I speak the truth in Christ. I, I lie not. But, Maria, I was, I, was, I was pretty good. I was pretty good. People praised me all the time at how good I was. People told me I was good. It's best not to do that. I got sick of it. I got sick of it. Actually, 
I lost respect for some people because I realized you don't know me and I fooled you. But other brothers I could not fool and they knew. They knew because I messed up and I did mess up and I messed up big time. But some, they, you put on a face and they, oh, you know. So I know the good ones are not that good. And the naughty ones are not that bad. And what happens is if you don't pay, pay proper attention to the so-called good ones, they could fall off the shelf and nobody would notice because they're taken for granted. Because everybody has expectations for them. So we need to be careful. The best thing is just love all of them. Shepherd all of them. Walk with all of them. And I just remembered that in this story, there was one point I wanted to make. Um, The difference between Luke and Acts. uh, Luke and John. You know, in Luke, the Lord walked all the way seven miles, even entered into their house. In this story, he stood on the shore. You know, the Lord, there is a story about the Lord walking on water, but not here. So here, the Lord had like a boundary. He would not go into, the picture is, he would not go into the world with them. But from here, he was interested and helped them. He still didn't judge them, but he would not go with them. There's a limit sometimes. Just because you're shepherding doesn't mean you go. That's what I was telling you this morning. When we were young people, this evil teaching came from one of the co-workers. The fishermen get their hands dirty. And you know what he said? He said, all things to all men. And he applied this way. It, I, I didn't want to even say it this morning, but I, I, th- I feel I should say it to explain it. He said, even if your friend goes to a bar, what's wrong? Just go with him. Have a drink. That way you could gain him. Terrible. You know, some of our brothers took that word, and they had overcome alcoholism. And by that teaching, they went back into the world. So no, no. Don't apply Luke 24 there. In John 21, stay and shepherd from here. And in this little booklet, How to Lead the Young People, Brother Lee gives this story. I know maybe the first time all of us read that, we're like, Brother Lee, are you serious about the taxi in the movie? Do you know that story? Some of, what a story. Some of you may not know, so Brother, Brother Lee says, you suppose... You're on your way to a meeting. You run into a, a young person. Hi, where are you going? He says, I'm going to a movie. He says, oh, come. Let's get a taxi. I'll take you there. And then on the way, he says, how much is the ticket? Let me pay for the ticket. Oh, I thought that the saints at that time, to, to them, movies was like, oh. <laughs> and in Taiwan, you know, it's like, oh, how worldly. <laughs> Brother Lee's attitude is, oh, let me, let me pay the ticket. And well, movies, what, two hours? I'm going to a meeting. I'm not going to, I can't go with you. I'm going to the meeting. Uh, about two hours, hour and a half. Let me come back. 
pick you up and take you home. That's being at the shore and not going into the water, but interested. That's, that's put the net on the other side. The other point I won't get into is 153 fish. Why? Yeah, some other time. <laughs> That's something to ponder. There's a reason for 153, Ben. Not 150, not about 150. It's 153. <laughs> Let's go back to the outline. I'll leave that one there. You think about it. Amen. Let's repoint uh, the top of, of the second page, F. <clears throat> if this kind of... Five says we need to stir up an atmosphere so that we would receive a burden to restore the dormant saints to seek out our brothers and sisters who have not been meeting and those with whom we have lost contact there's too much here <clears throat> point D says visiting dormant saints needs much consideration if we do not do it properly we will drive them further away. A lot of this fellowship comes from this book. Um, Crucial Words of Leading in the Lord's Recovery. It's a series of, I think, six books, maybe five. Crucial Words of Leading in the Lord's Recovery. Book four, message 11. And there, Brother Lee talks about this point. We have to get our house in order. And by this he meant, this was fellowship back in the, in the 60s, is we have to contact all the ones that got baptized. And let's look at all the name cards and find all the ones that we have proper addresses for. The ones we don't, we need to search. And they, had, they started a service group just on this. If you've ever been to the Sinji building in Taipei, there's a display of the history of the Lord's recovery. And there's a case that has some of these cards that when someone got saved and baptized, their information was there. It's on display there. Those are the cards he's talking about. You have to find out, is this the current address? If not, locate them. But the ones who have the current address, let's start to visit them systematically. So he started this kind of... But then he said, when you go visit them, be careful with what you say. And so he, in the chapter, he says what not to say. Things like, brother, it's been so long. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't, don't say that. Hey, James, how long has it been? What, three years? Oh, we've missed you so much. And you mean it in a, such a positive way. And they're just re- thinking, yeah, I've been gone three years. Don't remind them of their failure. 
He also says something like this. Don't go, Lord's Day afternoon, and say, and say oh, Ben, you, you missed. We had such a great meeting this morning. Let me share with you the meeting you missed. You don't say that, but that's the feeling that you leave them with. Let me tell you what you missed out on. And then he gives all the things, basically, what not to do. So then he says, then you may ask, Brother Lee, what, what should we say? And he says, it's better just to go there and smile. <laughs> said, eventually, they'll invite you in for tea. So you just go in and have tea with them. You don't invite them to the meeting. You don't ask them about their prayer. You just, yeah. and these principles apply not just to young people, but to all the saints, all the saints, community saints. We had a training <clears throat> some years ago with Brother Andrew Yu in the church in New York City and the churches in New Jersey. We have 10 churches in the state of New Jersey. We had a training um, over a course of, like, a, he would come visit us once a month for a few, few, couple of months. And one of the points was this, recovering the saints. And he made this statement. Really just got into me. He said, you know, if we, every, every church, your, your list of saints, I don't know if the saints all keep, if the churches keep phone lists anymore. But if you have a phone list, the number in the meeting is probably 50 to 60% of what's actually on the phone list. Yeah. I said, if we would just pick up the burden to pray for the names on the page our name falls on. Just that page. Wherever your name is, pray for all those names. Let others pray for the others. And then consider, of those would the Lord burden you to just reach out to? So he said, if you would recover in your church one or two saints who had not been meeting, that meeting you'll have more joy than if you get a new one saved. Bringing our saints, our children home gives us a kind of a joy unspeakable. And it's really true. You know, this last year, you know, because of our situation in New York City, and we've been just experiencing blessing, just blessing, and the Lord's blessing his recovery everywhere. And through the blessing, we spread into so many are, you know, areas and districts. We had eight, eight meeting halls. So we decided we need a semi-annual church gathering, bring everyone together because we, we, we don't see each other. So we called a meeting, and uh, we did it, we did it you know, six months in advance. We let everyone know, and we told everyone, and invite, and so on. And um, it was a real joy. And we did it in our hall one, and we had a little over a 1,000 saints. And so we were all there. But I tell you, the biggest joy was to see some of our second and third generation come home. 
some we had not seen in five years. And they came to that meeting. Because they heard the church is doing something special. And no matter what, this is still their church. This is still their, you know, their church. And we welcomed them, and we had lunch together. Oh, what a joyous day. What a joyous day. But we, we need to apply these principles. <clears throat> I think I'll leave the rest for you to, to read. Chapter 22 in this book, Raising Up the Next Generation. Are there any copies left? It looked like a lot, a lot of them were really sold, right? Yeah, so in this book, chapter 22. So, <clears throat> yes, you can order online. So saints, again, I tell you, the, the three outlines that I provided for you are chapter 4, chapter 6, and chapter 22. <clears throat> okay. <clears throat> three, three other topics I still would like to mention to you. Um, one is to the sisters, especially the young married sisters among us. We have so many, and we're so blessed in all the churches in these, in these recent years. So many new marriages, and now we have so many children, which I think somewhat gives the rise for this burden of having such a time this weekend. So many of you have children who are still elementary school age. And then that's your oldest, and then you have others. And my own children are passing through that kind of stage as well. So I'm, I'm, you know, have firsthand experience, kind of a finger on the pulse kind of thing. <clears throat> Sisters, I pray for your supply. You need to be supplied in your new situation. I very much appreciated the genuineness, the honesty of one of our sisters who came forward last night, who told us that she had served full-time, I guess the job-dropping full-time way, and now she's at home with children. Her life changed. What a transition this is. And I know that for many of the sisters, whether you were serving full-time, or you were working, or whatever you were doing, now to have this, as your primary occupation of raising children, there's no bigger transition in life. In your, I mean, your, your own person, I mean, your, your, your body, you, it, it's in transition. It's, it's a change. And now you have the responsibility of this little one. And maybe you go through that, and then, oh, and then another one. And then it seems like, oh, like, anyway. And we're blessed to also, where I am, we're blessed with so many, so many. And, and actually, this is the group, the, the young families, the young working saints, the young couples, the young adults. This is the group I spend most of my labor with, 
for the past 15 years. And I've seen, sisters, one key is you have to learn to breathe. But breathing it has two parts. You know, physical breathing is not only to breathe in, but it's also to breathe out. And sisters, in the spiritual realm, I think, in principle, to breathe out is first. So that you can breathe in. When we talk about breathe the Lord, we usually concentrate on call the Lord and get the supply and it's in. What I want to mention to you sisters is to unload. You have to unload your feelings. You have to unload your disappointments. You have to unload your frustrations. You have to unload whatever is within you, your unhappiness with your situation. It doesn't work for us to, just to tell you, sister, the Lord is sovereign. Be content. You can pray that, but it doesn't help someone to tell them that. But the Lord can make them happy. You know, there's, there's a verse that I've loved since I was a child. I learned this song. Maybe, I know a number of you, maybe you also learned it in Christianity. It's Psalm 3 3. Do, do you know, do you, do you all know this? It's the verse is the glory and the lifter. No, actually, yeah, it's the King James. The glory and the lifter of my head. You know the lifter? Lifter of my head. For thou, O Lord, art a shield to me. The glory and the lifter of my head. The recovery version says, the one who lifts up my head. Pardon my voice. It's not good to begin with. And then I also have some sickness. My glory and the lifter of my head. My glory and the lifter of my head. For thou, O Lord, art a shield to me. The glory and the lifter of my head. I cried unto the Lord with my voice. I cried unto the Lord with my voice. It's another verse. I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of his holy hill. Then it goes really high. <laughs> my glory and the lifter of my head, my glory and the lifter of my head, for thou, O Lord, art a shield to me, my glory and the lifter of my head. Can't. Has, is he your glory? Has he been the lifter of your head? Have you allowed him? Yeah, Ben, Ben, let's, let's. You know, when we get sad, what happens to our head most of the time? So he's our glory and... Have you let the Lord do that to you? It's not like, it's not like, go down, go down. It's not like, come on. Come on, cheer up. No, he, he, 
He's the one. Yeah, thanks. The recovery version says, the one who lifts up my head. Sisters, have you experienced your Lord? I've given this testimony in several places. There's a, you know, when I was in high school, one of our serving saints, this couple, they moved into the apartment right above from us. And uh, they had one boy, and then they had their second. And this is Mike and Ada. And Danny, the number, Danny was a crier. <laughs> Danny was a crier. And Sister Ada, I love Sister Ada. She's my serving sister, you know, she's one of my moms in the Lord, you know. And uh, Danny's room was right above mine. <laughs> Wood floors. And my mother, bless her heart, she gave Sister Ada a rocking chair. <laughs> so, at two or three in the morning, Danny, and then Sister Ada, I could hear Sister Ada, oh, Lord Jesus, oh, Lord Jesus, just frustrated, frustrated. And then, oh, Jesus. And he would not shut up, this kid would. His sister, and dear Sister Ada, I just, so I, I would just pray for her. Lord, Lord, strengthen, strengthen Ada. So you can, you know how frustrating it is. You'd, nothing you do. And then she would start to sing. She would start to sing. I'd fall asleep to her singing <laughs> before Danny. <laughs> Through that singing, I could tell the Lord lifted up her head. Wow. I, could, I, I could hear the change in the desperation. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. And then she, somewhere along the line, got the grace to turn it to song. You know, there's a, another psalm that says, He giveth me songs in the night. Sisters, the Lord can be that to you. Then you'll have the grace to say, Lord, as long as you're with me here in this, as long as you're with me, and I 100% amen what the sister said last night. This may be the most important service she will ever have in her whole life. Amen. Moms, that those two or three or five charges that you have been given, if you gain them for the Lord, I don't know, but yes, all of the ones saved through us are precious and our spiritual children but I don't know, to me, I would not want to lose one of my children. What would I trade? How many new ones for one of my children? No, no, there's no such thing. So I said to the Lord, when he called me for this service, Lord, I'll follow you. 
but don't let me lose one. Don't let me lose one. Then I can't, I can't say the things I say. I won't. It has to be real. Don't let me lose one. I know it's not up to me. It's not how good parents we are. It's your mercy, but for your testimony. I'm going to give these to you. So you can say anything to him and let him supply you. But you have to breathe out to receive the fresh supply. And then the Lord can make you happy. And sisters, yes, you should be happy. Happy is underrated among us. We don't talk much about happy because we talk about denying the soul. And yes, we have to do that. <laughs> but if you're not happy, you cannot provide a loving atmosphere for your house. Right. And you're the key. Oh, yeah. You're the key. Right. And yes, your service is different. Your service is different now. I hope you could accept that. And it's okay to be different. It's not what it was before. You can contact people through your children that we have no access to. Anyone that has a little baby, anyone that has, especially if it's, if it's you know, infant and you're holding, and you're in the sisters, if you're in the line at, at the market, everybody talks to your baby. You're there paying, and, and then your child is or whatever, then you realize the person behind you is, hmm. <laughs> I guarantee you that if in your diaper bag, besides the diapers and the wipes and whatever else, if you have a little supply of tracks, if you turn around and give that person, sir or ma'am, may I leave this with you? not one person will reject you. Amen. No one who <laughs> will turn away a track. You will have the best track gospel rate than any full-timer. <laughs> and through the children, you meet people in the park, people sit and talk, talk, talk. Oh, how old. Oh, how this. How. And then mothers, they, oh, yeah, oh. And then there's, you commiserate. And, and, and you can make friends like that. Actually, sisters, all of you could start neighborhood children's meeting. You think it's a big deal. It's not that big a deal. It's not that big a leap. It's, it's really just a sanctified play date. We talk about play dates these days. I mentioned to some of the sisters this morning, you know, there's one sister in New York. She got this burden to, she's in a high-rise building. She started, the, the building has a courtyard, and she had her little boy there, and then started meeting people. Everybody at, you know, all the mothers. So she had heard our burden about the neighborhood children's meeting. She's afraid. So she talked to some sisters who are a little bolder, and so they, these three sisters, they came to her, to her apartment. She, over the course of six months, she invited five women. 
It turns out every one of them from a different nationality, very interesting. These were all infants except for one boy who was about three years old. And that boy's mother played guitar, and she actually oversees our children's meetings, so she has a lot of experience. She said, no problem. So she, actually, they're, they're, to they're toddlers. Yeah, it's three minutes. It's five minutes. That's the neighborhood children's meeting. That's all they can do. Five minutes. They put them on, they sent me pictures. Kids are on the couch there, you know, flying like, like this. And, and, she's, and she sings a song to them. She sings a song, and they, oh, oh, oh. the ones who know how to clap, they clap. <laughs> Others, the babies, are just like that. And, and five minutes, and then she tells them a little part of a story, or, or not even. And oh, it's done. And then they spend time with these women. Four sisters, five women. Like seven children. Within six months, one of them got saved, baptized, and she started serving in a church children's meeting. Another one was a sister in the Lord, a seeker, and she, they had a Bible study with her for a long, long time. That, out of this, you, you could do that. Maybe tomorrow morning we'll say a little more about that, but my point is, sisters, your supply means everything. Get supplied. Be supplied. You know, I recommend to the saints often, to use the hymns when your personal time with the Lord to um, sort of like uh, fan the flame, to, to add fuel to the fire. But one of my classic and maybe my favorite hymn in our hymn book is 255. You know, many of you know that hymn by A.B. Simpson. O oh Lord, breathe thy spirit on me. Teach me how to breathe thee in. Help me pour into thy bosom all my life of self and sin. I am breathing out my sorrow, breathing out my sin. I am breathing, breathing, breathing all my fullness in. You know, the, ver the, the, ver the chorus says, I'm breathing out first. My sorrow, breathing out. I am breathing, breathing all thy fullness in. Out first. And if you follow the, those verses, almost every verse, categories of things. My sorrow, my sin, my longings. Breathing in thine answers. Breathing in thy joy and comfort. Breathing in thy peace and rest. Sisters, when was the last time that you breathed in peace and rest? It's there for you. It's there. It's waiting for you. You just need to breathe out. Just do your part. Breathe out the yucky stuff. And a verse, a hymn like this, you could, you could practice this way. And again, please don't misunderstand. This is not the way. I'm just 
passing on little help. If it doesn't work for you, just forget it. Do what you do. But when you sing, don't sing with me. Oh, Lord, breathe thy spirit on me. Teach, oh, Lord. When you get to this word, teach me how. You can stop. If you have feeling. If, if when you're singing that, you have feeling, stop and convert it to prayer because that's the anointing. Convert those, that feeling. There's a little feeling. Convert it to words. Those words will become the Lord speaking and supply to you. And you say, yes, Lord, teach me how. Lord, I don't know how. I have to admit, I don't know how. I know so much. I've been to dozens of trainings. I went through this conference. I did that. I even teach. But Lord, I don't know how to breathe out. I don't know. I don't know. Teach me. Would you teach me? I have. I'm here. Lord, my child's still sleeping. I don't know if it's 20 minutes or an hour. But Lord, until then, could you teach me? Teach me how to breathe you in. I'm here. I'm open. Help me pour. And you just keep going. If there's no more feeling. Help me pour into thy bosom. Lord, I'm here in your bosom. Maybe you think of John laying on the bosom. Lord, thank you. Your bosom is not only for John. I used to be jealous of John when I was a kid. But actually, it's okay. I have his bosom too. Help me pour into your bosom. Thank you, Lord. Your bosom is always ready. You know, there's another hymn, very well known. What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God. Needless pain. Sisters, it's needless pain. Needless. You didn't have to carry that. You don't have to carry it anymore past tonight. You don't have to carry it. Comfort is there. Comfort abounds for every one of us. Sisters, it's there waiting for you. So just unload for your children's sake, for your family's sake, for the church's sake. Don't think your role has diminished. Actually, quite the contrary. If the future depends on the children, and then the future depends on the parents, and actually it's 80% in the hands of the sisters, the only hope of the church going forward is that the sisters are able to gain the supply and be a source of strength. Yes, behind the scenes. Behind the scenes. But in raising your children and through them bringing other children, oh, your, your crown will be Amen. there when the Lord comes.
One last thing. I think maybe I'll squeeze this into five minutes. I meant to give longer time. This issue of homosexuality, the LGBT, sometimes LGBTI, LGBTQ. If you don't understand what I'm talking about, Google. All those letters mean something. We have to gain a certain amount of comfortability talking about these issues with our young people. At least in the conferences, we should say something and say what the biblical view is and <clears throat> present this, but don't give ground to leave them with a judging attitude nor under judgment. This matter can be presented. I mean, the, the, the standard is clear in the word that, that according to the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, homosexuality is a sin. But just that doesn't answer their situation. They have friends, and some of them struggle themselves because of the onslaught of the media causing people to question when the, before they would never question. But we have to explain, actually, all of us are sinners. All of us are sinners. So since we're all started sinners, not one of us has the ground to judge another. And don't say, oh, this is a worse sin than... No, there's, there's a lot of bad sins. Fornication, in general, that's 1 Corinthians 6, is a sin against your own body. We have to explain these things. But not with a kind of tone of superiority. That's just what the Bible says. <clears throat> but with God, there is this principle. There's a difference between the sin and the sinner. And God loves every sinner. God loves every sinner. So yes, God loves every sinner. So we love every sinner. And we pray for their salvation. And with that, we're blind. We just pray for everyone's salvation. And we trust that everyone has a human spirit, a God-shaped vacuum with eternity in their heart. Everyone. Now, if you happen not to have the grace that once you've met someone who is homosexual that you feel, oh, I can't, I just can't. Okay, that's you and we respect that. But that's not going to help most of our young people. Our young people are in school with people who are for this or they practice this. And we're not saying that indiscriminately just make friends with everyone, and, but we're saying look at everyone as a human being and respect that. Look at everyone as a human being. Respect that. And also, according to the Bible, this is not genetic. This is a big point. According to the Bible, it's not genetic. <clears throat> In Romans 1, it says that this is contrary to nature. 
And I know that there are studies in about the gay gene and all that. But you have to, you know, and our kids found on the internet, they went, okay, wait. You have to, do, you have to research who did this research. <laughs> who did it? And, and make sure it's not, you know, two gay scientists who are just trying to, sh you know, whatever. Be fair. And I'm not saying that to put down anyone. I'm saying be fair. People can make facts look like they want to. So, Romans 1, contrary to nature, and that God gives them up to a disapproved mind. So, so it is a choice. And we have had limited experience, but experience nonetheless with some young people here and there who after we've presented this they have come to us and sisters brothers we welcome them we say let's talk let's talk and in those cases if it's a brother just deal with him if it's not in my locality I try to get a good shepherd who I know will cover someone he's open to. And that's where it, and no one ever finds out anything. And I don't come in fellowship with the brothers and tell them, no, it's not, not this. So no one knows these cases except me. And there have been females, and they have come, so I would not talk to them alone. And I ask them, can we need to talk? But I need someone to come with me. So I suggest certain sisters that I know would be, that they would be open to. And everybody knows they're, you know, oh, yeah, sure, sure, yeah. And she even said, I thought about talking to her. I said, good, good. Let's the three of us come and talk. In that one case, that one case, Within one hour, she was free from that. It's not every case, but this case, she was free. It was a bombardment of suggestion from family members, from even just because family members, because she didn't, never had a, a boyfriend and her aunts and cousins, and what's wrong with you? She was trying to keep herself pure for the Lord. But her cousins, her aunts, are telling her, you must be lesbian. And she, one day, received the thought, am I? Just like that. So she was under this cloud for, I think, well up to a year. Struggling, and then in the meetings, and we're talking, and she's condemned, and and she came. Now, there, I understand this is limited. This is one situation, but it's you know, if you can contact someone who's at this stage, you can help them if they're open to come to you. If you have the atmosphere that someone's free to come. 
And we have to work together as parents and serving saints to have such an atmosphere. And even if they have friends, that their friends can come. Maybe they could be saved. If they're not saved, how will they be rescued? But I know some just don't have the grace. I understand. And there's no judgment there either. And we would rather, oh, no, 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 I don't want to. Well, then just don't. But I would say that attitude may not help your young people. And that may be their best friend growing up that suddenly they found out. Then what do you do? So there's no one answer to this. Again, we just like to give a certain principle according to the word and, and to equip our young people and ourselves. And I would say in this, again, we have to learn how to have the God-man reaction. Amen. Or not, not. So that we can keep the door of communication open. Okay, I think I've said more than enough. I meant to give you 30 minutes, but you have 20. <laughs> Amen. Sorry for going too long. How about still a few prayers? Can we pray with one or two around us? And then we'll have sharing. <laughs>